0: Hey, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast from Vital Point Church. My name is Ron. I'm the pastor here at Vital Point. We believe that it's important for people to explore and grow in their faith. And my hope my prayer is that this message that you're listening to will draw you closer to better understanding how you can live out your faith journey in the everyday life. Sit back and enjoy. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you this morning on this Thanksgiving Sunday, and uh, I am grateful that you found a seat. It's, uh, I saw someone came up to me and said, standing room only today. For those of you at home, you're missing out. I hope you got a little bit of FOMO at home, but uh, we hope that you're enjoying this as well today. Um, my name is Ron, and I'm the pastor here at Vital Point Church, and our desire is that you would encounter Jesus today that we recognize that he is vital to our lives, we recognize that he is the point in which we live. And so my hope today is that you will have a greater sense of who he is, whether you are a person of faith or not, whether you have lots of church experience or not, we hope that this will be a day that you are, are thankful for what Jesus has done for you. My hope and my prayer is by the time we're finished this conversation today, that you will have a better understanding of him. Today is week three in our series called How to Win at Life. And I'm going to be talking about peace today. I know you're probably thinking I should be talking about Thanksgiving, but in our series, we're in the word peace. And at the end of the conversation today, end of the talk, we're actually going to go into communion as well. And so I I will guide us into that moment. So if you're new to church and communion is a little bit uh, not familiar, it's okay. I will uh, guide us through that in just a few minutes. A number of years ago, I felt it was important that our two young boys were to have a well-rounded experience in life, and so I brought a guinea pig home. (laughs) As a dad, I thought that I would become the dad of the year, knowing that I was providing our boys with a, a great experience with having a guinea pig. It was this furry little guinea pig that they decided to call Gunner. I have no idea to this day why they chose Gunner, but they loved this little guinea pig. He was furry. He was squishy. Our boys loved him. Our youngest son loved him in particular more than our oldest son. I would find him with a gunner in his hands, squeezing him, holding him. At times, he'd put him in his shirt, making it look like he had a hairy chest. But it was, he's like seven, and that just ain't happening. So it's just this great little thing. The gunner, he had all the perks of life. Gunner had it made when it came to life. We provided him water. He did not have to search for it. We were able to provide it for him. We were able to give Gunner food. Each and every day, this little thing ate food. From my perspective, Gunner was spoiled. But yet in the midst of all this, we also wanted to make sure that Gunner was well exercised. So as you probably are aware, Gunner had a spinning wheel on the side of the cage. You know that wheel that spins around. Gunner would get at it and he would run and he would run and he'd make all kinds of noise in this wheel even in the middle of the night and be like, this thing is driving us crazy, but our kids are having an experience and so we need this, gu- this guinea pig. The wheel would spin and spin and spin and, it would, and Gunner would get his exercise, but in reality, Gunner would not make any movement. He would not get anywhere. He would just spin and spin and spin. As I think about Gunner and I think about the guinea pig wheel of life, I recognize that that's where some of us are right now. That some of us feel like we're on this spinning wheel of life and we're getting absolutely nowhere. You work hard. You go to work every single day. You bring a paycheck home at the end of the day. And for whatever reason, you're still living paycheck to paycheck. Your kids are great, but yet there's still the part of them that you're trying to correct. You're trying to discipline. You're trying to teach. You're trying to guide. And it doesn't seem like anything is happening. The same snot-nosed kid shows up every day. And you're like, what is going on? I feel like I'm getting absolutely nowhere. You actually have a lot of friends gathered around you, but yet deep down inside of yourself, you feel so lonely and empty and disconnected. We're trying to live, we're trying to win at life according to the standards of the world, but yet we find ourselves spinning and spinning. I think it even happens in a faith journey. For some of you who are aware of what a faith journey is and the navigation of a relationship with Jesus, you recognize this as well. That there are times that you pray, you read, you go to church, you worship, you may raise your hands in church on Sunday morning, you may watch from home, and you still feel like it's pointless. You feel like God is distant, you don't feel the closeness of God, and you think that there's something wrong with you. Many of us feel this way in life. We're on this wheel, and we're getting absolutely nowhere. See, one of the things that we're trying to accomplish in our series, How to Win at Life, is to help us understand that sometimes we have a a misunderstanding as to what it means to win at life. Sometimes we are actually running towards a finish line and believing it's the right finish line when really it's not, because we've allowed the world to speak into our lives as to what defines winning and losing. There's a section in the Bible in the New Testament called Galatians. It's a great New Testament book written by this guy named the Apostle Paul. In the Apostle Paul, in this letter, there's a, two little verses that he describes uh, what winning would look like when it comes to life and faith, and winning from God's perspective. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. It's a, two verses that we've been using through the course of the series, and we're going to be using it for the next number of weeks as well. Our hope is, is that these verses will sink down deep into your life as you consider what winning is according to the kingdom of God. I want to read these verses for you. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such there is no law. And if you want to learn about patience, you can come back next week because we're going to talk about patience. But today we're going to look at peace. See, winning at life is not about gaining or accumulating. It's more about the quality of life in which we are developing, This is what I love about the Christian faith. I love the Christian faith from a perspective of understanding that we can have a relationship with God through the person of Jesus Christ. What I love even more about the Christian faith and what I think stands above all other world religions is this idea that there is a power available to us that brings about the transformation, that brings about this idea of how to win at life. And it's not an energy force. It's not some sort of weird thing out there. It's actually the person of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. There's this fancy little word in, in Christian circles and church world called sanctification. We don't, we preach about sanctification, we just don't often use the word in forefront like I am now. But it is the process of being made into Christ-likeness. What is so beautiful about this process of winning at life according to God's standard and the development of, the, of what's called the fruit of the Spirit is that we partner with the work of the Holy Spirit through our disciplines, through our patterns, through our rhythms, as we surrender to the Spirit of God, bringing about, the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is the evidence that you are winning at life according to the standards of God. I want you to think about apples. I know, you're like, I didn't see that coming. Um, Friday, we went to Apple Land. And we went with our oldest son and his wife and uh, our two grandkids. And, And some friends came as well. And full transparency, I didn't even like going to Apple Land when our kids were little. Now I'm going with my grandkids. And... Tatum's yelling, Grampy, run up that big hill. I'm like, are you serious? So I did what she wanted. I ran up this big hill. Got to the top and I could hardly breathe. But at Apple Land, I would not know that those are apple trees if it wasn't for the fruit. Honestly, I would not know. I'm not that aware of trees. And so thankfully, there was the fruit on the tree that gave me evidence that it was an apple tree. And the trees had apples lying all around them on the ground as well. See, the evidence that someone is winning at life and faith is the fruit of the Spirit, the pieces that are part of who we are. Something that I believe we need to hear today is this, is God is more interested in your character development than he is in in what you do for him. God is more interested in your character than even the giftings that he has in your life. Why? Because the fruit of the character of these things that are developed in us is the flow of the gifts, the talents, and the abilities that flow out of this. This is why, actually, the Apostle Paul starts with this first one, love, is that everything flows out of love. Everything is permeated by this idea of love. David Campbell, one of our uh, resident Uh, theologian teachers, he's on our teaching team. He spends most of his life traveling the world, but he's every once in a while with us. He says this, people who are gifted without character are dangerous people. On the other hand, people who have character are bound to be gifted by God because they have become channels through which his grace flows easily. See, when I think about winning at life according to God's perspective, I understand that we run towards a different finish line. A different finish line than what the world tells us to run towards. Because here's the reality that sometimes we forget is that one day we will all stand before a holy just God and give an account of our lives. And God is not going to care about the letters behind your name. He's not going to care about your position in your company. He's not going to care about what you have quote unquote done for him because he won't be impressed What you will give account for is the what how you have become more like Christ through the fruit of the Spirit and give an account for what He has given to you and what He's given to me. See, sometimes we just lose track of this idea of what is to come. We so live in the now that we forget that one day we all, every single one of us, are going to stand before a holy just God and give an account for our lives. And so we must look at how to win from life, win at life, according to the standards of what he sets for us, which is the fruit of the Spirit. So let's talk about peace, because some of you are just dying to talk about peace. I know, I know this, because inside many of us, there is an internal storm that you want peace for. You want peace to invade your life, and I understand that, because right now, some of you are in relational strife, in work strife. Some of you have this internal storm inside of you, and you're like, all right, just get on to it. I want to know how to have peace. I need to get off this guinea pig wheel of life and understand what does it mean to win in the development of peace in our lives, Now let me say this before I jump into the actual deeper dive on this, is that we're going to cover a lot of ground in the next few minutes. And so I'm going to also get to a section of the talk where I'm going to cover a lot of Bible verses and I'm going to race through them. So you might want to have a phone out to copy them down or take pictures of the screens or write them down if you're old fashioned and above 50 and have a piece of paper and a pen and you want to write that down, okay? Hey, I'm 53. I'm allowed to say that. So I think I'm 53. Am I 53? Am I 53, Desiree? Yes, I am. I am. I have to ask because I feel like I'm 25. So that's, you know, or maybe 30. <laughs> yeah, max, behave. When you look at the word peace and you look at it from some of the ancient context of the Greeks, what you understand is that peace is actually two things. It's the absence of war and a state of inner tranquility. So what you begin to understand in the sort of the early understanding of this word peace is actually a negative thing. It's the absence of something negative, war, turmoil, anxiety, right? We get this. We understand this because we live on the spinning wheel of life and we recognize that there are times when we want peace in a way that removes something from our lives, right? Right? So students that are in the room, like sometimes your parents drive you crazy, right? Because they want to have a meal around the table and you just want to be in your room, right? And so you're like, man, if I could just have them removed from my life, I'd have peace, right? Some of you students are feeling that. I get it, right? Or your boss is nasty or your manager doesn't know how to manage well. Your spouse is always at you and the creditors are always calling, So the peace is the absence of something of pain or frustration. We get that. We go, I get this. If I had this removed from my life, I would be a whole lot better. It's like a splinter in your finger. It's deep in your finger, and you dig, and you dig, and you dig. It gets infected. It gets red. And then finally, someone comes along with a nice little needle, and they pick it out, and it's like, ah, that feels so good. Peace. We understand that. But what if peace wasn't the absence of something? But what if peace was different? What if peace was oneness and quietness and rest of the inner person? Ah, here we go. Dallas Willard says this. Peace comes from the transformation that changes us from the inside out and goes beyond trying to modify behavior, and it touches the springs of our souls. See, when you look at the Hebrew word for peace, it's you. some of you may know this already. It's the word shalom. It's a word, it's not attached to a negative, it's attached to something positive. The shalom is actually a place in which we live from, where one's life is filled with a well-being, it's called. So it's the well-being, it's rest, it's quiet, it's peace. There's this interesting moment in the Old Testament, in Ezekiel chapter 34, God's people are kind of a little bit wonky, having a difficult time following, but there's this, there's this moment in Ezekiel chapter 34 where God enters into a covenant, which is the covenant of shalom. It's the covenant of shalom. It's something that he offers to them. It's a vow. It's a promise. It's a covenant that he makes with them, that he gives to them. He's helping them understand the shalom, the peace. is not something that they can gain. It's not something that they can earn. It's not removing something from our lives. It's actually a promise that God gives to us, that he is the Covenant of shalom, the peace. Well, we're not living in the Old Testament times. We're not living thousands of years ago. You're like, dude, we're here right now in the 21st century. What does it mean for me? So here, what it means for us today is this, that peace is offered to us by God through the person of Jesus Christ, the covenant of peace. Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promise that he would give us peace in the person of Jesus Christ. We see this in Isaiah chapter nine where he's actually referred to as the prince of peace. And this peace is, will always increase and it will never come to an end. So here's what I want you to hear. Peace is not the absence of something, it is the presence of someone. I wanna say that again. Peace is not the absence of something, it is the presence of someone in his name Is Jesus. See, I have a hunch right now and a sense that many of us are trying to find peace in other ways. Many of us are trying to find, we're on this spinning wheel and we're led to believe and think that we can actually find peace somewhere else to calm the internal storm that is happening in our lives. Because some of us are so overwhelmed right now. Internally, you just feel it, you just know it. It's why we do certain things to cover it up, right? It's why maybe you click on porn a little. You click on porn and you think, this will help me. Or you disconnect from life where you try to watch episode after episode after episode, or it's excessive drinking, or abuse of drugs, or endless scrolling. You scroll so much, your thumb gets cramped. And what ends up happening is we fall into this trap of what Paul talks about in a list of things prior to the fruit of the Spirit. He says this in verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, adultery, you see the list there, I don't want to go on and on with them. See what ends up happening when we try to find peace outside of ourselves in other ways, what ends up happening is we fall to the prey of the flesh. And the flesh is a disordered desires running our lives apart from God. And if you want a word for that, it's three letters, it's called sin. So what ends up happening is in our pursuit of trying to find peace and to cover up the things that we feel inside of us, it leads us to a path of distraction and destruction. Distraction and destruction in our lives because of the disordered self, which is called sin. So we struggle with this internal angst inside of us Looking, searching, finding. We're spinning and spinning and spinning, hoping that something is gonna, make, is gonna be the answer to the feelings that we have inside of us. I love what Erwin, Pastor Erwin McManus says. We will not see world peace because the human beings is always at war for inner peace. There's an interesting piece to this that I, I hope you'll understand. And if maybe this is, will be a truth for some of you that you need to hear again. There's others of us that need to hear it for the first time. The Christian message is often referred to as what's called the good news, okay? And the good news, I love that because it's not good advice. You know, sometimes we think the Christian message is about, is about, you know, the good advice to be better at something, to be a better human, to be a better at marriage or parents or whatever. You can list the things. But what we fail to understand sometimes is that the good news is actually about peace all the way through. The foundational truth of the good news is the peace that God offers to us, peace with him and peace with ourselves. Because the peace that he's offering to us is a supernatural peace that is offered through the person of Jesus Christ that calms and heals our brokenness and the storms in our lives. So you can actually look at the good news as the gospel of peace. Not just the good news, but the gospel of peace. See, peace will not be part of your life if you do not turn to the one who offers the peace to heal us from the inside out. David Campbell again, peace is the healing wholeness God brings to us through the gospel, that's the good news. It gives us blessing in every part of our lives, spiritually, emotionally, and material, and I would add relationally. It enables us to be whole and healthy people who can give away our health to others. We become givers of peace to those around us, bringing healing to a broken world. Again, I want to go back to this. I'm going to keep hammering this for us because I believe that so many of us are trying to cover up the ins- internal angst that we feel, the turmoil and the anger, the resentment and the bitterness. Like, I've watched this over the course of the summer. It's been amazing to me. We've been able to travel, right? We've been able to vacation. We've been able to hang out with friends and go to campfires and go to festivals and go back to church, and it's been really great. But all the while, we're believing that these things are gonna cover up the internal turmoil and anger and resentment and bitterness that we feel. I feel it. It comes out in my life sometimes when I realize that I've, Switched into more of the flesh in my life where Desiree will say to me at times, you're using the word people are driving you crazy more often. Right? Or I'm frustrated. And she speaks into my life and she kind of points it out. And it's interesting, I was... um, This is a total add-on. I've been watching um, All or Nothing the documentary on Tottenham Hotspurs, and I like soccer, so I was watching this. And it was recorded uh, 2019, 2019, 2020. And it was interesting to me because they were heading into March 2020. And all of a sudden, I started feeling inside of me, I don't want to watch it anymore. I almost shut it off. Because that went into COVID, it went into shutdown, it went into all the protocols, and they started behind the scenes of the hotspurs and how they were dealing with this. And I gotta confess to you that inside of me, I realized I'm not at peace as what I thought I was. I felt I navigated that whole season fairly well, but watching this did something inside of me. I realize what Paul writes in Romans chapter eight, verse six. Here we go with all these verses. It's going to hit you with them. It's going to be like a left and a right and a left and a right. I hope you don't feel beat up after this. Uh, Romans 8, 6. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. See, when we are searching outside of ourselves, we often rely upon the flesh, which will bring death. It's the list that we read earlier from Galatians chapter 5 that Paul gave us. But when we set our mind on the spirit, which is the fruit of spirit, which we talked about, it's the apple thing, right? It's the life and peace that is offered to us. When we begin to develop and see and understand how the spirit of God works within us, giving us peace in our lives, we begin to realize that the process of becoming more Christ-like and winning at life in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. The God of peace sanctify you completely. I'm thankful that it's a process in which the sanctification happens in our lives. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 14, for he himself is our peace. There it is again. It is not outside of ourselves, it is in someone. See the reason why the Bible speaks so much about peace is because the, the writers recognize, and God recognizes by his spirit, that the peace was broken when sin entered into the world. The shalom was broken. So when Satan deceived Adam and Eve and they disobeyed God, the narrative changed, right? The narrative became broken and sin entered in, so the peace was broken. And so as, as sin entered into creation, humanity was broken from God. Even creation groans in this, the garden was a place of peace, but sin dismantled it and peace was no longer evident. So now we pursue it. And God's plan is to ultimately crush Satan's head and crush the evil and, and bring about the full expression of peace. Romans chapter five, the God of peace will crush, crush Satan under your feet so that he will no longer have that pull in your life. Romans 5.1, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Here it is again, right? Like peace, peace, peace everywhere. And I love this Romans 5.1 because it tells us and teaches us that we are made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, therefore giving us peace with God. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. You can try to define your own path to God. You can try to define your own way, but the reality is you will always fall short you will lack the peace that you desire until you're able to surrender to Jesus Christ and allow him to enter into your life to bring you the storm. Now, let me be clear. He's not necessarily gonna remove the storms, but he can give you a peace in the midst of the storm. Some of us need to hear that today because some of us, I think, approach the Christian faith with this idea that once I follow Jesus, my life is gonna be like kicks and giggles. I'm not sure what kicks and giggles is, but you know what I mean. I have no idea what that is. But I, I hear people say to me sometimes, well, I tried Jesus and he didn't work. What they're saying is, I tried Jesus and he didn't take all my problems away. Right? I think sometimes we need to adjust our understanding of what he's trying to accomplish in our lives. You can be going through the deepest, darkest moments and still have peace. I prayed with someone earlier before the service started that's going through a tough time. She can even have peace in the midst of the storm, as crushing as it is right now. The peace that lasts, it's supernatural. Here's the other wild part about peace. Is that peace is not only found in a person, but peace also grows when we become peacemakers. This is what I want us to consider as we move towards communion is this. Is that there is an assignment given to those who follow Jesus to be peacemakers. Jesus says this, right, in in Matthew 5. He says that blessed are the peacemakers. Because when we begin to understand what the peace looks like, and sometimes it's full on there, and sometimes it feels like it's absent, I get that. We, faith is a bit of a meandering deal. But what we recognize in the midst of this is that as we become peacemakers, as we begin to be distributors of the peace, what ends up happening is our peace grows in us. Look at James chapter 3, verse 18. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So in other words, God calls us to partner with him in the process of sowing peace. The inner peace that you have through the person of Jesus Christ is not just for you. You are to be a dispenser of the peace to those around you. How great is that? Like if you're trying to find God's will for your life, it's right here, right? It's the peacemakers in your workplace, on your social media, in the places in which you play, wherever it is, your chess club, you are to bring peace Anyway, uh, if you play chess, good on you. Um, <laughs> you are to bring peace into those environments. That's why I struggle so hard sometimes when I see uh, uh, someone who I know is a follower of Jesus and they post things uh, that are just so divisive on social media. I'm like, no, we are to be people of peace, not division. It's one thing that I believe was what i love about this community is complicated as it was the last few years and as much as we all were kind of navigate the chaos the last 2 years some way and somehow we were able to find our way through the middle and still thriving be peacemakers this is where, this is where the rubber meets the road this is where the missional side of peacemaking or being peace in us comes out right it's where it lands on monday morning because our idea and this whole idea of winning at life isn't just for you to go, well, that was really nice, Ron. Thank you very much. Happy Thanksgiving, and you go home. But it's more than that. It's learning what does it mean to allow the peace of Christ to supernaturally invade our lives and then for living a way on mission to be peacemakers so that it grows in our lives. Because the gospel, the good news, is the good news of peace. When I think about, when I think about um What represents peace? I think about the cross. I think about the cross of Jesus Christ. We're gonna make a transition right now into communion at home. You might wanna grab some bread and some juice. We're gonna make a transition to the cross because when I think about the cross, I see the work of Jesus Christ is the work of peace. Peace with God and peace within ourselves. That his life, death, and resurrection is about peace that he's offering to us. There is no greater example. I cannot give you the greatest illust- I cannot come up with any other illustrations than what you're about to do to see peace at work. We've got this little wafer. Don't open it yet. I should hear some of you doing that. It's like, just wait. Reason why is because I love hearing it all open at the same time. <laughs> it's so it's selfish. God's working on the selfish part of me. Um, but what we're about to do is take this wafer and take this juice, and it represents the body and blood of Jesus Christ. What I, I love about this is that communion is often referred to as coming to the communion table. Now, we don't do that in our context right here. We have our own individual little pieces, the, the wafer and the juice. But the communion table, figuratively speaking, represents peace, doesn't it? Yes, it represents peace grace and it represents forgiveness it represents judgment it represents all these beautiful pieces of the good news of Jesus Christ but it also is a table that tells us that we're part of a different story than what the world is telling that the story that we're invited into is a story called the good news the gospel of peace and God desires to be part of that story he's saying When you come to this moment When you come to the table When you come to the communion table It means that you don't have to be On the guinea pig wheel of life anymore Is that you can get off of it And that you can trust in Jesus Christ So as we enter into this moment of The greatest representation of peace I want us to open up the wafer Open that that top part please Just, Just that top layer Yeah, I told you the sound is great. (laughs) Before you take it, because we're going to do this together, I need to speak to you in three categories. One is, some of you are already followers of Jesus, and you've been wandering. You've been meandering. You've been captured by the things of this world, and you have been distracted. This wafer is representing the body of Jesus Christ that was broken for you. And for some of you, you are going to, in this moment, confess your wandering. You're gonna confess this sin. You've been looking to other things for peace. Others of you, maybe, this is like just dead on. You're like, you're in the pocket right now. And this is just a sweet, beautiful moment where you get to rejoice and be thankful for what Jesus did for you. Others of you, maybe you've not yet taken this step, okay? We have people at all different stages of faith in our church. Some of of you may not even believe there is a God. Some of you may not even believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that he is truly the way back to the Father. And so my encouragement to you is this, twofold one, this could be your moment of faith. This could be the moment where you participate for the very first time by faith. You internalize this truth. You allow it to cross your lips and go deep within you because this is the first time you're responding. And it's by faith. You're gonna receive this. So as we enter into this moment, I want you to imagine Jesus sitting with his disciples and breaking bread. And he's with his disciples and he breaks the bread and he, and he says, do this in remembrance of me. He set it all up because he knew that we would forget. He knew that we would struggle. He knew that we would meander. He knew that we would become self-reliant. But yet, this brings us back to center again. Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he gave it to him and he prayed. So I'm just going to give thanks for this. Let's give thanks. Father, we thank you so much for this beautiful truth of the broken body of Jesus Christ. Our sin, our punishment was placed upon his body. So that we can be free so God we thank you for this this beautiful thing that the church has done for 2,000 years that we're part of a collectiveness of forefathers and and mothers and those who've gone before us that have participated in this and it's not just this single moment but it's 2,000 years right to now and so I want to encourage you in this moment to participate if you're able to and if you're not at that stage don't do this just watch and observe So let's partake together the wafer that represents the body of Jesus Christ. If you will open up the second layer. It's a great story, isn't it? Story of peace that he offers to us. Jesus is referred to the perfect lamb of God the Old Testament system was all about sacrifice and blood sacrifice for the forgiveness of sin is on repeat and, and Jesus came to fulfill that so that we wouldn't have to do that anymore I'm so thankful I'm so thankful for the fact that Jesus Christ was willing to shed his blood for forgiveness within his life blood within his blood there's life there's forgiveness and so he took the cup and he did the same thing he said hey this represents me do this in remembrance of me and he prayed so I'm just going to pray Father thank you so much for these truths thank you for this moment I have a sense that there's some in here that are doing this for the very first time by faith they're internalizing the good news and that your peace is going to go beyond their understanding right now we thank you for this juice that represents the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for us let's do this together in remembrance of him for some of you this was a reminder for some of you this was your first step of faith for some of you it is time to come back because you've been wandering the internalization of the good news of Jesus Christ is part of a story that's bigger than ourselves and we recognize that Jesus paid it all on that old rugged cross.